And welcome in to this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. After a one-week hiatus, we are back. We are in the mid part of July, SEC Media Days next week. And Denny, you tell me, you know better than I do with your training of quarterbacks, roughly right around August 1st, it's go time for a lot of these universities getting ready for the season. Yeah, I think August 3rd through 7th seems to be the popular dates for official, but listen, they're there now. Yeah. It's um, Most of our college guys are back, thank God, back at their schools. Um, they won't be coming back until after the football season is over. Um, is that a so, deep breath for you? Yeah, no, it is. Now if I can, yeah, now if I can just get to training camp. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so now they are working out, can't be with the coaches, have to be with the staff, the uh, the strength staff, lead their own 707, that type of stuff. And then right around that first week of August, the coaches will fold in and they're ready to go, man. And look, I mean, Florida, not so much. I mean, Florida, Atlantic, and South Florida, uh, which, you know, in-state games, I suppose, it's better than the Citadel. But right out of the gate, you're talking Miami, Alabama. You're talking Florida State, Notre Dame. You're talking Georgia, Clemson. I mean, these are gigantic games to start the college football season. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that first weekend. I actually have a pretty dope weekend plan, Hack. Yeah. So I'm, uh, see, I think I'm Georgia. No, 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 no. I'm Kentucky Saturday at noon. And then I'm in Charlotte for Clemson, Georgia. And you're Kentucky for Joey Gatewood. Right. No. And then, uh, and then I'm coming back and I'll be at Notre Dame, Florida State Sunday. Wow. So you're going Kentucky at noon. Two games in one day. Yeah. How about yeah, that? Yeah, Georgia, yeah. Clemson, and then Florida State, Notre Dame. That's not then bad. back up to Kentucky the next week. You couldn't yeah. fit in Florida, FAU into your nah, schedule? No, I didn't work that one in. No. no. Florida, FAU, which will be on opposite Georgia, Clemson, uh, Saturday night prime time to kick off the year. All right, so a couple of things. We want to get into the Gator schedule. Actually, let's start there because you just brought up Kentucky. If you missed the last couple of episodes of Gator Bites, we're going two games at a time, just taking a brief Cliff Notes version at the Gator 2021 schedule. We've already talked about Florida Atlantic and South Florida. We already talked about Alabama and Tennessee. I think you and I are pretty much in agreement after the first four, three and one is what we're both thinking. Yeah. Yeah, better be. And I would love to I would love Florida to beat Alabama, but let's be Rio on planet Earth here. I don't know how many people are actually going to pick that. So I think we're looking at three and one. If it's not three and one, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be a very interesting game. I believe it's on October 2nd. And it's a team you've talked about a lot. And it's Florida and Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And Kentucky is a team that absolutely killed it in the transfer portal. They got a lot of talent up there. They've played Florida tough in the past. Only beat them once, but certainly have played them tough. How much of a concern should it be for Florida to play the Kentucky Wildcats that first Saturday in October? It, it's, uh, I mean, it's the second toughest game coming out. I mean, that, there's no doubt about that. Way tougher than Tennessee, you think? Oh, gosh, not even close. Yeah. Here's the thing that's happened at Kentucky. If you look at Kentucky last year, their defense was, was pretty dang good. 
Um, now, towards the end of the year, I think the defense just got fatigued of the offense being so bad. And, and so they started, you know, giving up some points. But defense is still good. They probably have, if not the best, one of the top two or three running backs in the league coming back. Last year, their deficiency was at the receiver position more than the quarterback position even. Terry, Terry did not play bad, um, Terry Wilson, but they had no receivers, none. I watched the All-22 film of the Georgia game, and the receivers literally could not get off the line. Mm-hmm. Knocked off their route every single, every single play. So they've addressed that in the transfer portal. They've gotten some receivers. Um, they've, got a quarter, they've got a quarterback battle. Um, heading into camp. They've improved the lines of scrimmage, too. They've yeah, always been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, their offensive line, a lot of them comes back. They've always been pretty good there. Um, but, you know, the, the quarterback battle is intriguing because it's it's a guy that I've trained since he was in eighth grade and Joey Gatewood, and then a, a kid from Penn State, Will Levis, um, who throws the tar out of it, and a big kid. So it's going to be interesting to see who wins that, but they've got a lot of talent. And the one thing, too, you got to remember, Kentucky beat Florida – in the swamp a couple of years ago. They haven't beat him in the Commonwealth since Reagan was president. There's been some crazy games. There have been so. some crazy games up there. Doring's got a touchdown, and Kentucky had a field goal to win it. They came up short a couple of years ago. There have been some crazy things the, that the have happened. The game that they left two Florida receivers uncovered yeah. completely, or they would have won. Jared Lorenzen, who threw an inexplicable pick six. The Kyle Trask game. Yeah, the Kyle Trask game when Felipe Franks got hurt. So Florida has survived the Commonwealth. At some point, that luck's going to run out. And and I'm looking at that game. I'm happy it's two weeks after Alabama. Yeah. Because if that was right after Alabama, I'd be very concerned about it. I think because of where it is in the schedule, it follows Tennessee. And I think they're going to right the ship against Tennessee. So I think they lucked out a little bit where it falls on the schedule. But I agree with you. Going to Commonwealth Stadium to play Kentucky that first Saturday in October is going to be a battle. I mean, I think Florida wins that game – you know, they end up winning it by a couple scores. I think that's the way it goes down, but I, I think it'll be entertaining for the first half, first mm-hmm. three quarters. It'll be one of those, you know, which team makes the mistake first. Um, and, and listen, Florida can overcome mistakes against Kentucky. Kentucky can't overcome mistakes against Florida. Right. Kentucky's going to play the perfect game, right? So, I mean, I do think it's not one that I look at it and go, oh, gosh, that could be an L. I don't think it's going to be an L. I just think it's going to be an entertaining game, and I think Kentucky's a team – that when you look up at some point in the season, you're going to look up and you're going to see them in the top 17 in the country. I think they're that talented. So we got Florida at four and one. Next game, Vanderbilt. Oh, don't need Easiest it. game on the uh, conference schedule, anyway. Yeah, can we, can we just can we just get rid of Vanderbilt? Well, they were I mean with James Franklin there. They did some nice uh, things, obviously. Um, the East was terrible when he was there. That's true. No, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it was it was the worst era of football for the East. I, I just. That Vanderbilt game's like a bye week. And I don't mean that in a mean way towards Vanderbilt. I mean that as a fan. I don't even like to watch that game. Well, I mean, look, when you start out with Florida Atlantic, South Florida, then you go Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky without a bye, it might be easy to ease into that Vanderbilt game and get an easy W there at that point of the schedule. Oh, yeah. No, no. You're talking practicality and you're talking University of Florida. I'm talking about my needs. Just in general. I I don't. Yeah, I don't want to see the game. Well, you know, I mean, look, has Vandy played Florida tough at times? Yes. Do they win a majority of those? Absolutely not. Florida wins the game. The only thing I would mention, 
the week after they go to the Bayou yep. to play LSU. Yep. Sandwiched in between Kentucky and LSU road games, that home game against Vandy, that would be your classic let down, look ahead type scenario, would it not? Not saying they lose the game, but everybody you know is going to be talking about LSU the week after. I don't know if it's just me or if it's the era of college football that we're in. I don't really care about the blowouts anymore. You know what I mean? Like it used to be you wanted to beat Vanderbilt because of rankings and all that. You're just survive in advance. Right. Yeah. Yeah, If they win that game by 10, that's completely fine with me. And others may disagree with me on that. But, you know, that whole sandwich game thing, that used to mean so much more when the rankings mattered so much. Now in the SEC, if you win the games you're supposed to win, you get to the SEC championship, you're in. Like, you're in. So that game, whether you win it by 40 or whether you win it by 7, is probably the same thing. That's six down, six to go. We do two a week. Next week will be interesting. LSU and Georgia will be the next two games on the slate. So we'll certainly get into that. There's a bye week between that, right? There is a bye week, yeah. LSU, October 16th. Georgia, October 30th. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern you can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com and you can listen for southeast orthopedic specialist the good dr kevin murphy on thursday mornings in the seven o'clock hour with jeff and dan right here on 1010xl for his weekly analysis of injuries and sports because we're so close to the season almost all the preseason magazines have come out One thing the Gator fans have been getting their feathers ruffled over, Denny, and it's interesting. We had this guy on XL Primetime, and it's not as if he thinks it's going to be a catastrophe of a year, but he pointed out the the tough schedule. He also pointed out losing a lot on offense. I'm talking about Phil Steele, who some people love him. I personally think he's probably got the best preseason magazine going, although Gator fans aren't very fond of him right now because Phil Steele did not have Florida – in his preseason top 25. I'll go over who he had in the top 25 in a moment, but your reaction when a guy like Phil Steele, pretty respected in the industry, does not think Florida is a preseason top 25 team. I don't think that he believes that. I think he needs to sell magazines. (laughs) Okay. I don't think for one second that he believes that Florida is not a top 25 team in the country because Florida can lose four or five games and still end up in the top 25 in the country. Like it's it's a it's a ridiculous sentiment. It's, it, there's no there's no argument that you can make that would justify not having Florida in the top twenty five. Literally no argument, unless you were going to tell me that they are going to end the season at five and seven. Like it, it's it's I respect Phil Steele, but on this one here, he's trying to sell magazines, and it's it's right along with Pro Football Focus's list. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. All right, let me just go one to five, and I'll go in increments of five. Number one, Oklahoma. Number two, Alabama in the preseason top 25 for Phil Steele. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Georgia. Any issues with those? No. That's about what you're going to see across the board in whatever order. Yeah, yeah. All right, we go six to ten. This is where Florida has been in some – Six, Texas A&M. Seven, Notre Dame. Eight, Iowa State. Nine, Washington. (laughs) Ten, Cincinnati. Washington. 
Washington. Apparently, Washington. Apparently, Washington. Again, I'm not going to say that I'm the most up to date on Pac-12 preseason polls, but you talk to people that cover that conference; they think Washington's going to be pretty good. Okay, I'm just saying. And I know we have an SEC bias. No, I'm not an SEC bias. I'm a realist. Washington and Florida line up today and play. Vegas has Florida favored by 10. I would agree with that. Same thing with Cincinnati. Oh, I don't know. Really? I don't know. Cincinnati brings back almost everything, including one of the top five quarterbacks in the country, on a team that was really good last year. All right, so Cincinnati's 10. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin, 11. North Carolina, 12. USC, 13. Penn State, 14. Utah, 15. Again, no Florida to be found. Penn State? Penn State. The same Penn State that won like three games last year. Now, they had the opt-outs, but they also have a tough schedule. Like, it's just go keep, – yeah, keep going. All right, but, to round out the top 25, Miami at 16, LSU comes in at 17, Indiana 18, Oregon 19, 20-25, Texas, Arizona State, the Ragin' Cajuns – of Louisiana, Iowa, Coastal Carolina, and finally TCU. No Florida whatsoever. And I think Gator fans, when you see Coastal Carolina, when you see the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana, even though they're going they're going to be good, when you see Cincinnati, I think that's where Gator fans. Florida would be favored against probably. Fourteen or fifteen of those teams. Easy. I mean, if Florida lines up against Indiana, that's what I'm saying. This is. I'm disappointed in Phil Steele in this. Um, there's no other reason than to have, and we're doing it, we're falling into it, like there's no other reason you do this other than to have us talk about it um, because it, it just makes no sense whatsoever. If Florida and Miami played today, who wins? Florida. And Miami's 16 on this list. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's like you're you're basically what you're saying if you don't have them in the top 25 is you're saying you think their quarterback play is going to be atrocious. And you think they're going to lose all three of the big ones. That's fine. And get upset somewhere else. That's fine. You're still in the top 25. At eight and four? Absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. Like, there, there's last last couple of years, there's been 500, you know, literally 500 teams um, in the top 25. If you lost four games, you're still in the top 25 with their schedule. But it makes no sense. They're solid at the receiver position, probably upper – third of the SEC. Their running back position is loaded. Their their offensive line is not bad, upper half of the SEC. Now, let me go real quick on the wide receivers. I don't disagree with you. But I think, and look, Phil Steele's a national guy, but I think he follows it pretty well. We know the talent that Florida has a wide receiver because we follow recruiting and the, and the transfer portal. When you talk about actual college football productivity, mm-hmm. A lot of those wide receivers haven't done very much on Saturday afternoons. I would I would venture to say that if you went through that list, there's seventy five percent of the teams in the same situation. Okay. It's you know what I mean? It's the cyclical right. nature of like, we graduation. know how good Xavier Henderson is, but has he actually put stats up to back that up? I mean you Not go all yet. the way down to Alabama and say that same thing. Yeah, you can. Right? I mean Ohio State's the only one that brings back absolute studs that I can think of off the top of my head. I'm sure other ones do. Georgia. I mean, who does Georgia have? Right. I mean, when Pickens got hurt. Yeah, Pickens got hurt. So, I mean, I'm just saying that's the cyclical nature. I think, you know, what Florida has with Shorter and Henderson and those guys, like, you, you're upper third. You're upper third of the SEC, if not top three. 
of the SEC at the receiver position. My point being, defensive line is not a question. Secondary, eh, okay, maybe. A linebacker should be good. So basically, if you're Phil Steele, you're saying that you think that Emory Jones is going to stink. Like that That's the only reason that you could give me for saying that they're going to lose enough games to not be in the top 25. Or just looking at it, too, here's a guy that's never started a game in college football. To right. throwing to unproven wide receivers, throwing to or having a average offensive line. I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy. I think we're sometimes too close to it here. We talked to all these recruits. We know how good they are. I, if I'm looking at it from a 50,000 mile of view like Phil Steele is, Emory Jones has never started a game in college football. That's a fact. The wide receivers haven't done very much to prove their recruiting rankings to this point. Um, running back wise, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, I think are very good. We think Bowman and Lingard are going to be well, good. Just stop at the two. That's yeah. enough. You know what I mean? Like that, you you you've got an offensive line that's got experience. And again, I, I think you could go through that list, and I'm not arguing with you. I get what you're saying, but I think you could go through that list and everything you're saying about Florida. You could say in a much worse way. Oh, I'm sure about half of those teams. Emory Jones does have experience. Emory Jones is probably a little bit overhyped right now in some areas, considering he hasn't thrown that many passes. But well, prime example is A&M. This is just an asinine. A&M lost Kellen Mond, who'd been starting there forever, and one of the toughest schedules in the country. Yeah, right. And they're ranked number six in this thing. Right now, I personally think A&M. I think a and it's either going to be Alabama or A&M in the playoff. I think A&M's that good. Even replacing Mond. Yeah, they got some dudes at quarterback. Okay. Like, I mean, I think they're that good if they can get it together, you know, quickly. But to your point, it's the same questions at A&M that it is at Florida. Why give them the benefit of the doubt when Florida's got a top, easily top 10 coach, maybe yeah. top seven coach, and and superstars everywhere as far as recruiting rankings. It's just Phil Still's not using his head on this one. And look, and when we had Phil on – he brought up what everybody brings up, and he's right. Alabama, LSU, Georgia. Okay, yeah, that's that's. So uh, you lose those three. You you lose to three. In his words, top fifteen teams. Yeah, that makes that takes you out of the top twenty five. Well, no, I guess it doesn't take you out of the top twenty. You know what I mean? Like it, there's there's nothing he could sit across here and tell me that would make make it make sense. Right. I just found it interesting because again, you got teams in there like Coastal, like Louisiana the raging Cajuns of Louisiana that made the list, Florida did not. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. You mentioned pro football focus. I know you wanted to touch upon that a little bit. They did their – and pro football focus, for people that don't know, is a lot of decimal points, a lot of analytics, a lot of number crunching and computers to spit out rankings. I personally enjoy it. Uh, it's grown on me over the years. We have some of the pro football focus guys on. They also look at college football, and they did a ranking of the 130 Division One college quarterbacks, and you were not – I guess, very satisfied with how those rankings came out. Well, it's not – they didn't use their normal – they couldn't have used their normal analytics. Right, because that's this. a – right. Yeah, um, because they, they went through and ranked everybody. And then the thing about it was it was like little things. And I guess what my irritation is is kind of along the same lines of Phil Still. 
is people are putting out lists and people are putting out links to get reaction. Right. And where and, did they have that, Emory what, on the list? Uh, Emory was like 15th or something like that, ahead of JT Daniels. Okay. Well, asinine. You don't buy that. Asinine. I'm sure Gator fans like that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, again, why, how could you say that? Yeah. I'm not saying Emory won't be there, but th- there was little things like, you know, Malik from uh, Malik Willis. Malik Willis from Liberty way down on the list. Jeff Sims at 100. 100. Jeff Sims from Sandwood High School here in Jacksonville. You trained him. Now the starting quarterback at Georgia Sims Tech. is going to be a top two round pick when he comes out. Yeah. And this bonehead had him at 100. Like he, his top two or three, Sam Howell, I think Spencer Rattler was one. Sam Howell was two, if I remember right. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. But outside of that, it's like this dude literally just drew names out of a hat and called it a list. And it's just it's getting to the point now where it's just getting aggravating to me. Well, like I know we've done this in the past, but Emory Jones compared to the rest of the SEC, he's is the upper half, is the upper third going into the season? I mean, he's definitely upper half. I think and this guy had Bryce Young really high as well. Yeah. Um higher than JT Daniels. I would imagine well. Bri- I mean off the top of my head, guys I would take over Emory Jones without thinking about it. Matt Corral at Ole Miss. Yep. yep. Uh um, first round talent. See, the Bryce Young thing is very similar to Emory to me. We've heard everything. We've never actually seen it, though, on the field. Well, we've seen more out of Emory than Bryce. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, would I take Bryce Young over Emory? I guess, just based on what everybody's told me, I haven't seen it well, for let, myself. Hold on, let me rephrase that. What if Emory and Bryce Young were both at Alabama with all that talent? I think I'm taking Emory. Over Bryce Young? Right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, so. Matt, so Matt Corral, we agree on... JT Daniels, you would take him over Emory? Right now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Um without hesitation. I mean, you're hesitating, so obviously it's not without hesitation. Yeah. I, there's some young kids that I'm interested to see. Like the situation at Texas AM, they got a couple of really good guys. So I'm interested to see who they settle on um and how that plays out. You taking Miles Brennan at LSU? See, that's another one that he had super high on his list is Miles Brennan. And I'm not sure Miles Brennan's even the guy. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that Max Johnson isn't huh. the guy. Florida fans remember him pretty well. Like I, I, I know Max, and, and I'm not sure he's not the guy at LSU. So I don't really know. That, there's a lot of that in the SEC. The K.J. Jefferson kid at Arkansas. Yeah. Hella talented. Like, really talented. I want to see what he looks like with Kendall Browse in the second year. So I think there's some... Missouri's there's, got a guy that's been around Missouri's for a while. Got a, Missouri's done a really good job of recruiting quarterbacks. Is I don't remember who it is. They've signed like three, four stars in a row. Yeah. Uh, um, so that, I'm just, my only point in all this being, it's not as much about Emory Jones in Florida as it is about doing a ranking that makes zero sense on no level. Malik Willis should be a top five guy, with with no doubt. Former Auburn Tiger, transferred to Liberty, Projected to be a first-round pick special. next year. Yeah, has his faults, but special, special, special talent. Great kid. Like he can do everything: throw, run. He's a legit four-four-forty guy. Um, I think the guy had Will Levis at Kentucky as the starter, and but he had him down at in the nineties, eighties or nineties. And it's just like, dude, you're you're Nick Tronny, who I love at FAU. I don't even know if he's going to start. 
but he had him in the 50s. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude. You have no clue. Florida may see him week one, no doubt about that. All right, as we wrap up Gator Bites, um, SEC Media Days next week. So I want to get this in before we get to Media Days. Not going because somebody, well, uh, when you take a vacation to Maine last week and you come back, you got to kind of steer the ship. And Matt Hayes is going to Media Days in Birmingham. Joe Cowart's going to Media Days in Charlotte for the ACC. Y'all stop disrespecting Hoover. It's well, no, Hoover. I love Hoover. Well, it is it's not Hoover. in Birmingham. It is in Hoover. It's in Hoover. I love the, the Hyatt there. Are you kidding me? But no, we'll have media days covered on 1010XL, both the SEC and the ACC. But no, I'll be right here with you next week. The one thing I did want to get to before we lose it is the SEC coaching rankings. And I just want to see what you think about what Barrett Soleil did at CBSSports.com. He had Dan Mullen fourth going into the 2021 season. So Saban one. Nick Saban one. Jimbo two. Jimbo two. Kirby three. Kirby three. Yeah, I mean, I go with that. You have Jimbo over Kirby right now? Yes. You do? Okay. Mullen four. Eddie O, five? No. Mark Stoop six. Brian Harson seven. Lane Kiffin eight. Mike Leach nine. Eli Drinkwitz, 10. It rounds out Pittman at Arkansas, Heupel at Tennessee, Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, and Shane Beamer, South Carolina. Okay, so Eddie O is five. Wow, the SEC coaches suck. Um, It's not the list we've had in the past, that's for sure. Lane's too high. Lane should be like 10, 11, somewhere around there. But, I mean, I guess you can't really argue with the rest of it. Wayne Kiffin, apparently, is building something pretty nice at Ole Miss. They think they're going to be pretty good. We'll see. You you disagree? Yeah, completely. Really? Yeah. Is it Matt Corral, or is it? Uh, he's done a good job with his offense coordinator, with Jeff Levy. Um, he struck gold with that. He's got Matt Corral. They have no defense. Uh, I, I don't know what he's got behind, and I just got to go on his history. And... Two to three years is a sweet spot for him. Yeah. And then people get tired of him or he gets tired of them and then he's gone. I, I just history is the best indicator of future success. And I mean, what has he done in his history? R- really? What has he done? No, I had some years out of USC, but I hear you. A year, right? Oh, yeah. A That's year. what I'm saying. Like outside of a year here or there, he's he's done absolutely nothing. I've I know people that's been involved in his program that We'll put it this way. They were celebrating when he left FAU. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Players were celebrating. So I, I'm not they in their mind, Willie Taggart was an upgrade. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Of course the Gators will see Willie Taggart week one when they take on FAU. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. You get Denny weeknights on the sports den. Moved up a little bit this week. Blue on vacation. Again, you guys are, good uh, gravy blue has more <laughs> vacation than anybody. Blue does take some vacay, but I can't blame him for that. You get me middays along with Leon Searcy, Joe Cowart, and Matt Hayes. We'll be back next week in the middle of SEC Media Days. Hope you join us then. Here for Gator Bites on the 1010XL podcast network and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.